hit the record on that in space consistent. <laughs> like, because literally, in space consistent is possibly the worst possible way to spell inconsistent. <laughs> it's just disrespectful to the word inconsistent. Even if I messed up the word consistency on the soundboard, you know what? It's not bad, as bad as in space consistent. Good lord. That's just putrid, people. You can't have that. Alright, here we go. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cuz. We live. We live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's Walker Mail and Nada Edwards. Follow myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe. You can follow the show at Locked On Hornets on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On today's show, we'll go over a couple of articles that have been written by ESPN and The Ringer specifically. Zach Lowe discusses Jeremy Lamb and a specific thing in his game that he's implementing, and it needs to go away. So we're going to talk about that. Also, MKG has a nice article written on him from the Ringer. Interesting comp, comp though. Yeah, absolutely. An interesting comp we'll get to later on in the show, how the Hornets have their own Draymond Green. So Jonathan Sharks actually making that article and writing it and doing a lot of good work in that piece. So we'll get to that piece as well. How is MKG, the Charlotte Hornets, Draymond Green, new and improved? So we'll get to that at the end. And also, the Charlotte Hornets list has people angry, nada. Including you. Yes, I am very, uh, like, literally, you know who the most upset person probably should be? <laughs> it's Kemba <fun>. Walker. <laughs> Kemba, not exactly, not exactly the correct, I think, strategy to take when you're trying to sign this guy long term. But we'll get to that later on. Let's focus on the I'm Chicago upset, Bulls. I'm upset, like Drake says. I know you are. The Chicago Bulls, they come back into town tonight. We're going to preview that game now. The Hornets seek revenge against the Chicago Bulls after losing to Chicago on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So just a couple of things to look over. Tonight is Charlotte's second home game of the season. They'll play five of their next six at home. And it all starts with the Bulls tonight. On top of being without Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen and Denzel Valentine, the Bulls will now also be without Bobby Portis. And because of that injury, you would think that is why the Charlotte Hornets are nine and a half point favorites tonight. Nine and a half. Not are you touching that spread? You going to go with the Hornets this time? No, absolutely (laughs) not. It's a big boy spread. Fool me once, shame on you. Although you weren't fooled, though. Well, about that. I was fooled. Wait, oh, did you give me grief the other show for calling it right? Did you put money on the Hornets that night? No, I didn't put Hornets uh, money on the Hornets, but I did pick them in the. I I picked the Hornets after we had talked about this, and I was like, you know what? I feel bad. Let me go put pick for dime for dime for dime. I picked them. I picked the Hornets. Well, that's all right. Because I think that's actually kind of smart because you, on one platform, pick one team and the other platform, you pick another. So you're going to be right either way. Flippity flip. <laughs> you are. That's, in like, fact, like, I, you know that's, what? Tra- that's strategic flipping, though. Yes, it's strategic flipping. But you know what? The sad part is I went with my like my every instinct told me that this was one of those games. Well, you the thought Horn- the Hornets were going to win both times. You just thought the Bulls were going to cover in one of those instances, correct? I thought this game was going to be closer than people thought. I didn't think they were going to win, but they did everything I thought that was going to happen. I'm not going to get fooled again. I am taking Bulls plus 9.5. <laughs> Hornets have to win this one. I'm going to go 
with the Hornets actually winning because Bobby Portis on top of all the other injuries, that would be so bad. It already is extremely bad, but that one would be specifically bad because Bobby Portis is injured and out of this game, and now you are nine and a half point favorite. You you can't lose this one. Did you watch Wednesday's game? Because I did. I did. I watched it, and so did Borrego, and he wasn't exactly happy. And you had felt good about what the Charlotte Hornets did in Florida against Miami, against Orlando. Both wins. One was a blowout. The other one was barely with a Kemba Walker free throw to get that one. But at least they came in with a 2-1 and one record in the first three games of the season. Toronto, you chalk that up to a really good team that is balling right now. Yeah, no, Toronto, I don't hold against them. No, that was a fantastic basketball team, and they showed it against the Charlotte Hornets. But against Chicago, that's where things started to go awry. Here's James Borrego on the consistency so far, or lack thereof, of this Hornets team. Well, we saw it in Orlando. We saw it in Miami. There, there's no excuse not to do it night after night. You can do it against Orlando and Miami, but you can't do it against Toronto and Chicago. That's inexcusable. As a team, if you're going to get better and you're going to grow throughout the season, you've got to have carryover. And I just haven't seen it the last two nights. And now it's my job to reset this thing and uh, find a group out there that is committed to it. In that whole session, Borrego was not a happy camper with his team. Nor should he be. You lost to Chicago. They're horrible. And he would go on to discuss the lack of physicality that they produced against Toronto and Chicago and how every year you kind of have to reset the physicality mm-hmm. instructions because each team, every time you come into a season, he said he's never been on a team where he didn't have to implement physicality every single season, even with those San Antonio Spurs teams. That's the surprising part because I'm really surprised a team that had Bruce Bowen on it had to talk about physicality. Well, I don't know if Bruce Bowen was playing a whole lot with James Borrego, but right, I mean, you would think with Greg Pop. Popovich yeah. and that kind of roster it guess I guess it just goes to show you that Borrego who's been around the block been with a few different teams has actually had to implement this constantly it's just a thing that NBA players kind of have to be reminded of that if you don't bring it then a lot of times you're going to lose and so you know he talks about that as well and also he discusses trying to find the right lineups Borrego has been crazy experimental yes he has you know Borrego even mentioned how much how many different lineups that he's instituted within a lot of these games that he'll try to run a play and guys don't know where to be because they're just not used to playing with each other yeah that are you going where I think you're going where again I've been used at I've Are you using my excuse not to play Miles Bridges against me right now? (laughs) Well, I mean, Miles Bridges looks like he's a guy that could be seeing more time in the lineup, and he played well and down the stretch against Chicago, and defensively, I thought, looked pretty decent at times against Chicago, especially team defense, right? We've talked about the on-ball defense. But But the off-ball defense has been awesome. But team defense, I think he's been pretty decent, and it looks like he might have earned some more minutes. Here's Borrego on maybe what you can expect going forward from Miles Bridges. Yeah, he he was impressive last night. I think he was the bright spot. He he brought a spirit to the game. Uh, He's trying to do the right thing. He talks. He communicates. Um, You know, he looks more like a veteran sometimes than than the guys that have been in this league uh, for many, many years. Um, So Miles is going to be ready. Miles has to stay ready. Uh, I like what I see out of him. Um, But, you know, that, that should send a message to everybody. Get ready, Hornets fans. You're going to see Miles Bridges a decent amount tonight. Yeah, yeah. I just You're going to see him. Yeah. I, you don't have a choice anymore. 
Because they're going to implement Borrego, and especially when we get to this article about the small ball lineups that have been working for Borrego when talking about MKG, you know, Jonathan, it's it Sharks? Sharks, I believe. We're going to go with that. It's a yeah. tough last name to pronounce. But he mentions MKG being the small ball five, small ball four, and that he has not been playing the three and how much it's increased his role and how much it's helped him. Well, he also mentions Miles Bridges maybe getting some more playing time as well. And then you look at what he did against Chicago. You know, not crazy offensively. And Borrego mentions that like offensively he's still trying to find his rhythm he doesn't know exactly when to shoot he doesn't know exactly when to attack the rim he's trying to be in the right spot at the right time just a lot of a a lot of things that he needs to it's a lot of mental cleanup that's a lot of it is just he needs to clean it up mentally and once he figures it out mentally and catches up to the game because that's the hardest part for rookies to take in take in then you know he'll be just fine but I get why Miles needs to play more. I've been fighting it, but at the same time, I can't fight no more. I'm tired. And again, it's four games in, and I'm tired of fighting on something. I can't believe this. <laughs> Not a whole lot of stamina on fighting from your from your aspect, nada. But no, I, Miles I have Brid- other things to be upset about. No, you do. And so Miles Bridges is going to play tonight, I would imagine, and we'll see how he does against the Chicago Bulls team where he's going to be going up against some guys that the Chicago Bulls don't necessarily want to play. They're going to be without four of their players. I mean, are you, you're probably – Denzel Valentine, I think, is coming off the bench. I believe but, so. But you're talking about a starter in Markkinen, a starter in Chris Dunn, a borderline starter top in Portis. Seven, yeah, top seven rotation guy. Well, yeah, with Portis and Jabari Parker, even though Jabari Parker saw the bench. I mean, you're seeing a lot of these guys start. And so Miles Bridges is going to get his chance against some of these other guys to go up and perform. So And Chandler Hutchinson might light him up again. Yeah, Chandler Hutchinson did play well really getting his first significant minutes on the season. So this is exactly what Hornets fans wanted to see. I imagine that you see Miles Bridges play a decent amount tonight. Real quickly, a couple of other things to go over with the Chicago Bulls. Nada, how in the hell do you stop Zach Levine, who has been on fire offensively? Um, Just double the ball out of his hands, make somebody else beat you. Like, that's it. Like Cameron Payne from the corner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so bad. That that's horrible, <laughs> yeah. and that's the one thing I hold against Kemba. Like I again, granted, he scores all these points. Just attempt, just move him from his spot, because I guarantee you, if you move him from his spot, he's not scoring. Levine looks good, man. Offensively, like he moves so well. Rick yes. Benell, Rick Benell, we talked with him on the wake up call. He discussed that he was kind of a track star in the early going, but now he's starting to look more like a basketball player. Like he just he just looks. He just looks like he belongs out there on the offensive end. And Zach Lowe mentions, and we'll get to it a little bit, he'll he'll still take the shot where it's just a step in from the three-point line. He'll still take some long contested twos that kind of make you scratch your head. But he looks good. So that's a guy you need to stop. And also Jabari Parker, like I said, he will fill in for Bobby Portis. He will start. So the challenges that he possesses might be a little bit different from Bobby Portis, a better shooter yeah. than Bobby Portis. And certainly offensively, you think his game is a little more refined than what Portis's is. So defensively, though, maybe you can take it to him all day. Interesting to see how that's going to match yeah, up. Out make there. somebody else kill you and just let it not be Jabari Parker. Well, even if even if Parker was awful this preseason, shooting wise, his field goal percentage, he was not an efficient basketball player. No. So we'll see if that trend continues here against the Charlotte Hornets in game two of the series here tonight. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. 
There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We'll get to those MKG and Jeremy Lamb articles after the break. Stick around with myself, Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's uh, gone. One of the, I, one of the only players that has blocked Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Did he block this? <laughs> yeah. He blocked this. I, did, what, Some, did, for did something we hate you on him? Did, did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Athletes absolutely search their names to go find things. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. They they don't have to be added. They are going to find themselves. And it reminds me, Bobby Rosinski put out a tweet that it was crazy that C.J. Anderson, running back for the Carolina Panthers, wasn't getting any snaps. Like, the guy has 16 attempts on the season. And Bobby tweeted out, it's surprising. It's crazy that C.J. got zero snaps. It was maybe a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was just one snap. C.J. Anderson liked it. Of course he did. Yeah. Like, and CJ Anderson, like one of the most stand up guys in that locker room, a phenomenal person. Like, maybe letting a little petty out, like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to like that. Have I told you my Kemba Walker slash Lance Stevenson story? Uh, I don't think you have. Okay. I think I, I think I haven't told the Locked On Hornets audience this one either. <laughs> I like the setup. Go ahead. So I'm excited. This is about 2011, 2012. Lance is still on the Pacers. And I was just argue I forgot who I was arguing with I was arguing with someone about Kemba Walker and saying he was better actually no it was like 2013 2014 <laughs> but I was arguing with someone on Twitter and saying look Kemba's better than Lance and what does at what point what does Kem- Lance do better than Kemba and I get manual retweeted because we didn't have the quote tweets yet and it goes and then I see Lance Stevenson answer just check my stats. <laughs> so Lance responds to it? Yes. And it didn't obviously add him or anything like that? No, I didn't. That's and so Lancey. That I is love so Lance. Lance. I love Lance Stevenson. By the way, doing, Speak for yourself. doing good things for the Los Angeles Lakers. You see he outscored LeBron. Like, and actually they won. I, I love Lance Stevenson. And JaVale McGee also. No, JaVale, no JaVale is a real one. JaVale yeah. is a real one. Like, I love both of them. I love both of them. I like... I like both of them on that Lakers team. What a great team that is, surrounded by LeBron James. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. So, MKG, let's get to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, man. The guy's been playing very well at the beginning of the season. All of the discussion was surrounded who was going to get left out of Borrego's rotation. A lot of people thought it just might be MKG, but that has not been the case. So, we talked about it. Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer wrote an entire article on MKG, and his improved play being moved at the four position. So Borrego has played him pretty much at the four position and the five Mm -hmm. for most of the season. And Sharks, he writes this, the Hornets have a net rating of plus 20.9 in the 36 minutes where he has played without any of their traditional big men, Cody Zeller, Billy Hernan Gomez, and Bismack Biombo. It's much higher than his net rating of minus 13.4 in the 59 minutes that he's played next to Hernan Gomez on the second unit. 
So while lineup numbers don't mean much by themselves at this point in the season, MKG's role makes much more sense in the former lineup. And I don't think you can disagree with that. And we've talked about the lack of defense that Billy has brought to this team. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. And MKG playing with any without any of their traditional big men. Even Cody Zeller, even Billy Hernan Gomez and Bismack Biombo. Doesn't matter who you put out there. The net rating has been a positive of 20.9 in the 36 minutes where he's played without any of the traditional big men. So, again, it's not going to look like that all season long, I wouldn't imagine. No. You would imagine a lot of these numbers regress, including his uptick in field goal percentage and certainly some of the other numbers like his high block rate and his high rebounding rate. They're going to regress a little bit, but those numbers should you know, stay relatively high considering he is playing the four position and being one of the bigger guys on this Hornets team right now. So it's just interesting to see, though, like it's worked so well. And and MKG, a lot of that falls on him. It, it falls a lot on the coach. Borrego, good job getting a lot out of MKG right now, using him in the right situations. But also, how about MKG, man? Like, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can say enough about what he's done so far this season to prove his value. No, I don't disagree with that. Like, MKG came in, knew that nothing was guaranteed, knew that no starting spot, no spot period on this rotation was guaranteed. And the fact that he took this, he owned it. He's improved his shooting, for God's sakes. The man hit two threes. <laughs> that was the highlight of the Chicago game to me. Borrego said in that session we just played a couple of sound bites from that he's going to allow MKG to shoot, and he's not going to ask him to hesitate on any of those. And you wonder if just the confidence alone. Like, you're not going to have MKG getting spotted up at the corner spot and just trying to pass, designing plays for him to shoot there. But if he's wide open and, you, him, and you have to make the defense honest enough, maybe he does hit a couple of those shots and maybe he's at least not god-awful enough to where you scream and try to tackle him before he attempts one out there. Clifford wasn't allowing him to shoot. You know, Now Borrego is allowing him at least to have those open shots. I do think that is going to help MKG. Oh, I, I fully agree with that. More importantly, if he can, let's, I'm not going to get crazy and say he's going to be a 40% shooter, but if he's no. at 34, 35, 36? From corner? From the corner? You'll well, take it. I think, I think honestly, Nada, I think you're taking like 28 29 like even if he even if he's shooting if yeah. he's wide open and you allow him to shoot every couple of times like if, if he get uh, 36 is like average around the league like you're allowing him i think point well received though i mean even if he's not shooting all that well yeah which he's been god awful at times and, and a lot of times he's made nine three-pointers in his entire career he hit two of them under yeah. borrego in, exactly in five first, games that he played. Exactly two of his first three. <laughs> two of, like he's two of three from the field. Uh, right, from th- three this season. Yeah, yeah under Borrego, it, now, it's nuts. Now here's the question: Let's say he bumps it up to 29, 30, 31. Do you start him in that starting lineup and give Marvin some more rest off the bench? Well, do you even have to? Do you even does that even matter in starting MKG? I mean, does does that fact alone start? Because right now Marvin's shooting twenty four percent, so that's going to go up. But right now, he's not shooting all that well. Hey, does that stat even matter at all in, in the factoring of yes. deciding to yes, start MKG? MKG's been great defensively, man. Like we, we see this all the time. You can go to Andre Robertson for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The guy can't shoot. They leave him on an island when he's out there. But he makes that team better. You can go to another yeah, Oklahoma City. Yeah, go look at, look at OKC right now yeah, without him. Well, you're right. And you can look at Oklahoma City You know, in, in a couple years past. Now, Tabo has learned how to shoot the three as the years have gone on. But Tabo Cephalosha – 
somebody who you put your best defender in the starting lineup to go guard the best perimeter score on the other teams. Like MKG, you know, he's not going to be guarding the perimeter score, but you can implement him in the starting lineup every once in a while. Or he could just be a guy that maybe plays more minutes than Marvin, and it really doesn't matter who the starter is. It's just who's playing in the crucial moments and getting the more minutes. While I agree, I want to go back to a Cliffordism. And granted, it's a whole new coaching staff, but Clifford always would say you start with your best defensive five. Well, that would also that's interesting, though, because that would also mean moving MKG back up a spot, having Marvin be in the starting lineup as well and having Cody in the lineup again, because that would be your best defensive starting five. Right. I don't believe. Well, here's the thing. I would go if we're talking starting right now, I would go Kemba lamb for now lamb for now lamb's the one guy i probably slide out of there along with marvin but i'd go kemba lamb batum mkg cody and i'll let the rest figure itself out especially with marvin with less minutes more rest on those legs so maybe by january february those legs get right and he starts hitting again because he had the slow start last year as well so i can i can justify playing MKG at the four and that maybe being our best defensive unit to start a game because these slow starts have killed them in a lot of these games. You mentioned slow starts. You mentioned Jeremy Lamb. So let's transition to Jeremy Lamb. Zach Lowe, again, we've discussed Lamb quite a bit this offseason and his start to the regular season. We've taken a dive into the numbers and so far they've been pretty bad offensively for sure and defensively he hadn't looked good. 38% from the field and 37% from three, which ain't bad at all, but no. certainly not playing at the level he was last season in a small sample. So on his 10 things I like and dislike article that Zach Lowe comes out with every week during the season, Zach mentions Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, Lamb is leaving flyby triples on the table, end quote. So he goes on to explain that when defenders rush to contest Lamb's shot, Instead of taking a sidestep, which would still keep him behind the line, he's instead taking a step forward, which results in a long two, which is now not, of course, deemed the worst shot in basketball over the course of the recent years. Agreed. And here's the thing, though. If he was hitting them, I wouldn't have an issue. But Zach Lowe's right. If you're not hitting them, learn the sidestep, son. Again, have you has this kid never done the electric slide at family gatherings? Can Lamb not dance? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know. Do you, have you not done the electric slide? Hell, Nick Saban knows how to do the electric slide and the Cupid shuffle. Why can't you learn to shuffle your feet to the left, Jeremy Lamb? The NBA three-point line is 22 feet from the corners, and it varies as it gets to the top of the key to almost 24 feet. So I did some stat searching. And if you look at who's taken the most shots between 19 and 24 feet, Jeremy Lamb ranks 14th in the league. So Jeremy is not taking a full attempt per game from beyond 25 feet. And Lamb has made 7 of 19 on the season. So a few things to digest there. One, the 19 to 24 feet jump shots that he's taking. Again, it's it ranks 14th in the league. And that would be okay, like you said, if he was hitting. But he's only hitting at 43% of those. And the guy's not taking a full attempt per game from 25 feet or beyond. So with the seven threes that he's made, like he's taking either right at the three-point line or he's taking a step in and shooting. What is he working on? So that's Jeremy Lamb right now. And so interesting just to see, you see Lamb is taking those types of shots. And what is funny is Lowe references that Atlanta's old coaching staff worked with Torin Prince on implementing the sidestep. 
And Prince leads the league in shots from 19 to 24 feet right now. And Torrey and Prince, again, they really worked on the sidestep in private a lot. That's what exactly. Zach Lowe referenced. But also you can see that Torrey and Prince is also taking a significant amount of shots from beyond 25 feet. So it's not just those. He's actually implemented into his game shooting from beyond that area. And just another quick stat to look at. Malik actually just a tick above Lamb in that same category in attempts. Oh, good God. Well, but also... Monk top five in shooting percentage among people who shot at least three times a game this season from 25 feet or beyond, shooting 58%. So it's not like, again— He's making up for it. it, He is making up for it, and Jeremy Lamb seems to be just shooting those, right? Like, it's just at the three-point line, or he takes a step in, which seems to me, I mean, that's just where he's more comfortable shooting. I mean, that's—Lamb does not like to— increase the distance on his shots at least subconsciously and if you can maybe implement that sidestep which according to Lowe Charlotte says they're working on the coaching staff is working on with Lamb like it's just interesting to see that is the shot that he's most comfortable with and he doesn't love all the distance behind here's my one concern he's been doing this for a couple of years now like we're now just pointing this out he's a talent I I say this a lot like basketball players are talented enough that they can implement new things in their game, and I think it takes some certain time. But Lamb is talented enough to where he can work on that sidestep to where it becomes a part of his game. Exactly, his game is buttery smooth when it's on. <laughs> so it is, and so I think Lamb is able to implement that. But just interesting stuff from the mid range, what we've seen from Jeremy and how other guys implement that. Also with the mm-hmm. three point shooting, and it just seems Jeremy is is just taking those shots. It's like Jeremy Lamb, if it's not with inside five feet or between nineteen and twenty four, Jeremy's just gonna let it go. I mean, he's just not yeah. shooting those other shots. And and that's that's what it is. And he's not quick enough, as Lowe points out, yeah. to get to the rack. Those mid rangers, man, they are deemed the worst shot in all of basketball right now. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. And that's make more sales. We'll come back with the full reveal of the Charlotte Hornets fans list on who the best Charlotte Hornets are of all time. Disgusting. And Nada's not too happy. Stick around with us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This Hornets list has people mad, even if it's by the very people that are voting. Maybe not these specific people, but somebody's voting for these guys. Walker, there's a re- let, let, let me let me start this because I have to cut the music low, low if it is. You did. I played that Go specific acapella. bump for a reason because you know what? If the fans were gonna just show their show their you know what and vote for anybody off of nostalgia, I'd have preferred to put Master P as number one because you know what? If we're going to go all the way ridiculous, just be, just make it farcical. Just make it farcical. You're going to put Kemba Walker at three, Walker. Three? Like, word? So let's give the people some context. Please. Glenn Rice, we left you off, was voted as the sixth best Hornet among the Charlotte Hornets fans, according to the Charlotte Hornets social media account. Mm-hmm. So we left you with Glenn Rice being voted in at six. 
which it gave us a certain five to work with. with that the, we knew. With yeah. available slots. Muggsy came in at five. LJ came in at four. Which was surprising. Kimba came in at three. Which is disrespectful. Dell comes in at two. Which is justifiable, but okay. <laughs> and Alonzo Mourning comes in at number one. Let me tell you real quickly just my biggest problem with this. I am the originator of the top 30 Charlotte Hornets list of all time. Mm-hmm. It is my list. I attacked this. I was beaten down. There was a lot of highs and lows. It was a roller coaster. Eventually, we got through it, and I'm a better man for it. In the top 10, certainly we'll talk about the top five a little bit specifically here. Kimba not being number one doesn't make a lot of sense to me because he checks all of the boxes off. Literally, like that's the thing that bugs the hell out of me. Like, how are you not going to put the most, like, literally the guy that keeps the lights on, the guy that's kept the lights on for the last four or five years? The only other guy in this decade that's kept the lights on has been Al Jefferson. That was for a year and a half. So I implemented a little bit of the Shaq appeal to when he was voted in the NBA's 50 greatest players of all time in the fact that. Shaq was voted in that specific group in 1992 before Shaq even did most of his damage. Yeah. Right? So you knew Shaq was going to be a beast, and they voted him in. A lot of people at the time had a problem with it, but certainly became one of the 50 best basketball players of all time. I implemented that a little bit. Even now, if Kimba was not a Hornet anymore, he would still be the best Charlotte Hornet of all time. But you can implement that into the fact that the guy is going to have a few more games under his belt. Yes, he is a trade possibility. But as long as he's here, I mean, the guy's averaging 30 points a game right now. He's going to be an all-star in the Eastern Conference for the third time, and he will match guys like Glenn Rice as far as how many all-stars have Charlotte Hornets had within just the one player. Yeah. So Kimba's going to be a three-time all-star by the end of this season, seeing time with the Charlotte Hornets. And you've got the longevity, so we're going to check that off longer than a lot of these guys on the list. He's got the all-star appearances. He's got the hardware. He's got the love nationally. People do or star. They are starting to respect Kimba Walker a little bit more now. Oh, and if fans were really, really sensitive about what other people think, you don't think the entire national media is laughing at y'all for voting for voting Dell over Kemba? <laughs> so now Dell Curry, who played with the Charlotte Hornets for a long time, but never saw an all-star appearance. We all love Dell. We talked about this when I did my list. It's somebody that does the broadcast along with Eric Collins. We all love Dell Curry. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We love ourselves some Dell, and that's fine. And he was a great player, a, a good player. That's the problem with all this, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. He was, he, was a fair, he was a good player for the Charlotte Hornets for a long time. But Dell Curry at two, man, like, no, I don't think so. No. I, he's just not there. I had him in sixth. On my list. And exactly. people were and I not thought ha- it, Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was too high. Yeah, and, and people maybe thought it was too high, even over maybe guys like Gerald Wallace and Baron Davis. But I, I referenced the longevity and just what he's meant to the franchise. And so he went as the sixth spot as the sixth man for the Charlotte Hornets. Exactly. But again, Glenn Rice, Muggsy, LJ Kimba, and Alonzo Mourning put all of them ahead of what Dell gave you. And and just even just again, I did go a little bit nostalgic with what Muggsy gave you, but Alonzo at number one, a lot of people are having a problem with too. Like agreed over Kimba, but I don't have a problem with Alonzo over Dell in this spot, right? No, I, mean, I don't I, have a problem with Alonzo over Dell at all. It, it's all where Kimba is placed, and even LJ, who did give you some sort of length here with the franchise, being at number four behind Dell Curry, it's just 
Look, it's no disrespect to Dell. It's just Kimba Walker, he deserves to be number one as the best Charlotte Hornet of all time. And it seems like Hornets Twitter. Now, somebody's voting for these guys. Yeah, a lot of old like, people. Who is? It's got to be the old people. Folks, tell your grandpa to get off the Hornets app, guys. Tell them to learn Tell them to learn how to use Twitter, to yes. learn how to use these websites. Because somebody is voting for these guys, and it doesn't seem like Twitter is all too happy. I haven't seen one, which oftentimes these lists... Like, you don't get any credit for it. You don't get any kind of compliments. But I haven't seen anybody say, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and you know what the problem is? And it, this is where, and this is probably going to get me my, my nice little credential removed. But guys Easy. at the Hornets, I understand that you <laughs> wanted to respect the democratic process. I totally get it. You should have rigged the votes. Oh, that's that's not going to get out. I'm sh- fine with that. If you should have rigged the votes. If it means keeping Kimba, if Kimba feels so disrespected that he leaves, I'm not above rigging the votes to have Kimba Walker be the best Charlotte Horde of all time. Like, look, you should have rigged the votes. Kimba should have won. And more importantly, and this is the other thing about Zoe that I meant that I forgot to mention. Zoe was actively campa- campaigning to go to Miami in that last year. Zoe was actively campaigning to leave. Well, having Zoe hurt and having him be an iconic for another team, that certainly hurts his status of being number one. But the guy did put probably, to me, the best overall three-stretch year or three-stretch. I don't disagree with Three-year stretch, I should say, with the Charlotte Hornets like Alonzo. But you're right. You're right. There are some other things to consider I don't, there. He's got the most iconic shot of the Charlotte he's Hornets got the history. He's, yeah. he's, he's got, got the moment. He's got the moment that the Charlotte Hornets have. And if they would have maybe beat the Milwaukee Bucks in that series to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, then maybe you would have some more moments. But Alonzo, he gave the Hornets their one, beating the Boston Celtics with that shot. And there's just not too many more. No, there's not. But that's the thing. Like, I get it. Y'all should have rigged the votes, though. (laughs) Again, y'all know who you are, and you're probably listening. You should have rigged the votes. All right. So Kimball Walker does not come in at number one with the Charlotte Hornets best uh, Hornets of all time list. And surprisingly so. I thought it was a shoe in, man. I thought I thought that Dell probably would get number two. And I thought Zoe would get number three, but I, I thought I thought Kimba was a lock at number one, and I thought Dell was close to a lock at number two because of the situation the Hornets are currently in. Apologize to Walker, people. Yep. I will take your apologies. You can write me again. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. You are welcome with giving you a much better list than really anybody out there. I yeah, exactly. I don't think there's anybody. No one's got a better, better list than you. You're damn right. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with a weekend preview on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. See you guys.